save humanity. And I don't care how much faith they demonstrate. I don't think, I don't care how much faith they have. They're not going to be able to save themselves. Your faith has to be in the one that's capable of saving you. Faith is only as good as the one that you have faith in. Hebrews 7.25 tells us, He, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, He is able to save them to the uttermost. The reason our faith has any merit is because our faith is in the one who can and does save. I pray you take comfort in that. As a matter of fact, we believe by faith that there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, as believers, as Bible believers, we're criticized for believing that only Jesus Christ can save. But then again, if you didn't believe that, you wouldn't be a Bible-believing Christian. the only way to God. But it's the only way to God as Savior. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. All roads lead to God. Every religion leads to God. But the question is, as judge, or a Savior. It's only Christianity. It's only believing what God's Word tells us concerning how we must be saved by believing that by faith that we stand before Christ righteous, perfect, with eternal life. Yes, every road, every religion is going to bring that individual, unfortunately, before a holy, righteous God. That's what the great white throne judgment's all about. But folks, you don't want to be there. So yes, all roads lead to God, but there's only one way that leads to a saving relationship with a God of all creation, and that's through Jesus Christ. One of the things that... I guess I have a pet peeve. and One of my pet peeves uh, is listening to Hollywood stars or professional athletes or people that, that are being interviewed on TV. And they'll talk about their faith. Well, my faith sustained me. You know, they're being interviewed and they're talking about a difficult time they went through. And they'll talk about how, well, it was during this time that my faith sustained me. Or my faith is very special. And I go, your faith didn't sustain you. God sustained you. It was your faith in God. You were demonstrating faith, but it was God who... You say, Pastor, that's being nitpicky. I don't think so. I don't think so. I want to hear them say, it was during this difficult time that my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ sustained me. I wouldn't have made it through that ordeal had it not been for my faith in the one true and living God. See, that's, that has meat. That has truth to it. We're not saved by faith. We're saved by God. We're saved by Christ Jesus, our faith in Him. Now, I'm sorry if that sounds nitpicky. Pastor, you're just splitting hairs. I, it's not enough to have faith. You've got to have faith in the right place. 
and the right one in, for, in order for it to have merit. When Moses and the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, their faith was rewarded only because they had faith in God's ability, right? Had it not been God at work, no amount of faith was going to move that water back. And Abraham and Sarah were rewarded. It was because God worked. When Daniel was in the lion's den, we could go through every one of these in order to make the point. But you see that it's their faith in God, it's their trust in God that their faith was absolutely rewarded. Now Ephesians, uh, Ephesians he, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2. For by it, talking about faith, for by it the elders obtained a good report, that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. It was all brought about supernaturally. It was all brought about because God said, let there be. Actually, that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Let there be, and there was. By faith, we accept that. By faith, we believe that. We trust God. Look at verse 4. The very first one takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and it's important that we start there in the garden, or at the beginning of creation. Matter of fact, Abel, Enoch, and Noah are all tied to something very important. Verse 4, by faith, Abel, whose son was Abel? Adam's, Adam's son, Adam and Eve. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, we know from the book, uh, from Romans, that faith comes by what? Hearing. So at some point, Abel had to hear what type of sacrifice to bring before God. Just as God had made, killed the, the first sacrifice and clothed Adam and Eve, Abel was instructed by faith it tells us he offered unto God. So if he did it by faith, at some point he had to hear because faith comes by hearing what God wanted him to do. And we can assume that Cain had the same message, that God had instructed Adam, God had instructed Abel, God had instructed Cain what type of sacrifice to bring. And we know from Scripture that Abel's sacrifice was more excellent. It was according to God's plan. See, that's the other thing about faith. Faith is going to be carried out according to the will of God. For you to demonstrate faith, faith, your faith is going to be based on God's instruction of being obedient to God. And here... We have Cain offering a more excellent sacrifice. And what kind of sacrifice was it? It was a blood sacrifice. It was an animal sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there's what? No remission of sins. See, God had instructed Abel, and I believe Cain and uh, Adam, on the type of sacrifice 
to bring before him all as a type of the coming sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we find from Scripture that Cain brought a, an offering to the Lord also. Cain brought an offering of, of vegetables, and I'm sure they were the biggest, plumpest cantaloupes you could imagine. They were probably outstanding vegetables, outstanding fruits. I'm sure that that sacrifice that Cain brought was extraordinary. But it wasn't according to God's instructions. And what did it do? It caused Cain to be jealous. It caused Cain to be angry that his sacrifice was not accepted, but his brother's was accepted. Now, here's a point here that we need to be very careful, we need to understand. And how critical this is for us to understand. Go to, go to Genesis chapter 3. I can already tell we're not going to get nearly as far today as I wanted to, but that's okay. This is good. This is good. Genesis chapter 3. Look at verse 15. He's talking to Satan here. God is talking to Satan. He says, I will put enmity, that's hatred, that's bitterness, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Satan, I'm going to put bitterness between you and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it, talking about her seed, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, this was God's instruction. Satan heard it. Satan somewhat understood it. But he didn't know which seed of the woman. So here comes Abel. Here comes Cain. This was a direct assault against God's plan, Satan started at the very beginning trying to thwart the plan of God to destroy him. God says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between her seed and your seed. Which, there's a whole other study there talking about Satan's seed, and he has one. And we're going to follow it all the way through to the Antichrist one of these days. Uh, but it's a, it's a tremendous study. And it, we, we look at the Genesis chapter 6, when the sons of God with fallen angels come into the daughters of men and they have the giant offspring, all of that is an attempt by Satan to thwart what Genesis 3.15 says is going to happen. And I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed. Satan has a seed. There's, that battle has been raging. So here with Cain and Abel, we have Satan already at work. As far as Satan knows, here's Cain. Is that the seed? It's going to bruise my head. Oh, there's Abel. Is that the seed? I, I've got to disrupt that seed. I cannot allow that to go any further. So the first thing we see Scripture happening is that legitimate, legitimately could have been the seed of the woman that was going to bruise his head of Cain. Sinning in such a horrible way satanic manner 
And the sin that he committed was killing Abel, who could have also been the one, that seed bearer. And so we find that disruption, we find that attack. At the very beginning, as Satan comes against, and that promise of God to take Abel out. But from verse 4 in Hebrews, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. He understood what he needed to bring before a righteous, holy God, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, that he was righteous, and God testifying as of his gifts, and by being dead yet speaks. What in the world does that mean? He brought that sacrifice to God, God considered that sacrifice by faith as a righteous act. And what his testimony is, is that, that still speaks when, when the Hebrews was being written, is that being dead, he was speaking, he was testifying that obedience to God is the proper thing to do. He was testifying that honor, you honor God by obedi- obeying Him. You honor God by doing what He commands. That's the thing you draw out of that. His testimony was that I'm obeying you, God. I'm doing what you've instructed me to do. I am bringing this, this offering in faith because that's what you told me to do. What a testimony. Here we are in 2022 still talking about that sacrifice that Abel made in obedience. But he was martyred for his faith. You understand that? Abel was martyred for his faith. And Satan has been bringing that about ever since. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. You know, Abel's testimony was, believe God, do what God says. Enoch's testimony was that he pleased God. Go to Genesis chapter 5. In fact, you might just want to hold your place there. Genesis chapter 5. We have Cain being separated. And what's interesting is Cain complained to God. But when he complained to God, it was, Lord, my, my punishment is more than I can bear. He wasn't, I am so sorry, God, for killing my brother. He was sorry for what it was costing him. Lord, I'm going to be an outcast. And everybody that sees me, they're going to want to kill me. See, there was no repentance. There was no sorrow. The only thing that Cain was sorry about was how it affected him. Kind of shows you the mindset he had. And then we see the line of Cain and how corrupt and how evil, how wicked it was and the satanic influence in Cain's line. In chapter 5 of Genesis, we have the line of Seth. 
Seth is also, you have Cain, Abel, and Seth. So the line of Christ can't go through Cain. The line of Christ can't go through Abel because he's dead. So Seth is the seed of the woman, and so the line's going to come through, come through Seth. And so we, we have the line of Seth and God working and, and here, and, and we have all of the children that, that came from, from Adam and then to Seth. That includes Enoch. Includes Enoch. Look at Genesis 6. Now, I hope I'm not getting you guys confused. But I think this is so important that we understand what's going on here because I think something horribly evil was taking place. Even before Genesis 6, the sons of God, as soon as there were sons and daughters born unto them, I think Satan went on a spree to disrupt the seed of the woman. And in Genesis chapter 6, look at verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, I am convinced, are the fallen angels, those angels that followed Satan in his rebellion, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives, all of which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. The offspring of these fallen angels, these sons of God going into the daughters of men, were giants, the Nephilim, and that is the reason why there was every thought was evil. That's the reason for the flood. God could not allow that demonic seed to be transferred from through human beings. But the point I wanted to make here is that it also in those days as daughters started to be born into them, that's when this corruption started. And it, the, what Enoch was preaching and proclaiming and, and telling people to do is avoid that. Be careful of that. Stay away from that. What was going on? Look at Jude. Well, no, I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 5. Start with verse 18. And Jared lived 160 and two years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and five, 65 years, and he begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And what do you notice here? It didn't say anything about him dying. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. We look at Jude real quick. Jude verses 14 and 15. Enoch was raptured. Enoch was caught up to be the Lord. 
He was alive. He was preaching. He was heralding during this time when this disruption was taking place, when the sons of God were coming into the daughters of men. It was evil. It was a wickedness that was going on. Verse 14 of Jude. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, saying, by the way, it doesn't say and it's written, that's why we don't accept the book of Enoch as being the word of God. When God, God word, God's word makes sure we understand. It says saying, not written. And Adam, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. That's what he was prophesying. That's what he was preaching during this time, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all that are ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed. The word ungodly there has to do, it's asibia. It means no fear of God. What was Enoch preaching during this time to all of these people, all these things that were going on? He was telling them, you better repent of your ungodliness. You better get away from what's going on here. It was a stark warning. And who was Enoch's son? His son was Methuselah. Does anyone know what Methuselah's name means? When he dies, it shall happen. That's what Methuselah means. When he dies, it shall happen. What happened right after Methuselah died? The flood. The flood. All of these things were a warning to these people. And it was by faith that Enoch was preaching during these times. Maybe that's a rabbit, rabbit trail, but I think that is to be tied in to what we find here in this Hall of Fame of Faith. Abel, Enoch, being translated because he pleased God. He was preaching the truth. He was warning them do not succumb to this. Do not become part of this. Verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh... And let this be a lesson to us. May we read this and may we understand the point that God is making to all of us here. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You can almost take that and use it as another definition of faith. Again, who you have faith in is what's important. And if your faith is not in God, if it's not in his awesome power, then your faith really is meaningless. That without faith, it's impossible to please God. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. He obeyed God by faith and did what? He built an ark. He built a boat. 
God came to him and said, Noah, I am going to send rain. And Noah could say, what? What's rain? That's what it means when it says, being warned of God of things not seen. Up until this point, the earth was watered by dew that came up out of the ground. There was the canopy over the earth. It was like a greenhouse. There was, it had never rained before. God says, Noah, I'm going to send rain. What's that? But he believed God, and he did exactly what God told him to do. Based on God's instructions, he built an ark, which, by the way, is a type of Christ. And the reason that ark was built was so that Noah and his generation, which was the word perfect there, his generation means that he was not corrupt, corrupted by that demonic seed. That's the reason why God had to destroy. It's because Satan had so disrupted, Satan had so corrupted the seed of the woman that this, this was God's way of purifying. This was God's way of carrying out his promise. This was God's way of providing that salvation that we need. I know it may sound strange, it may sound weird, it may sound crazy, but I think that's just because Satan's lied to us so often over the years that we take things like that and think of them as foolishness. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So it's by faith being warned of God Things not seen that Noah built the ark. And from the time that he was told to build the ark was 120 years. And guess who died just at that point? Methuselah. Methuselah died. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. Again, by faith, God called him. He heard God. Hearing, faith comes by hearing. God said, get out of here. By the way, that area where Abraham was called out of is part of where all of this with, with Abel and Enoch and, and, and Noah, that's, that was that area. And God was about to do something there. God wanted to take Abraham and make a promise to him. And he was going to do God's will. He was going to do exactly what God instructed him to do. See, faith, two principles of faith, real quick. Faith always obeys God's instructions. Faith always, once they are obeyed, once his instructions are obeyed, you're safe. You know, I think of the ark sometime, and I think of how frightening that must have been inside. You talk about the heavens opening up and the wind falling and that firmament, and the 
waters of the deep breaking open, and it, it was earth, and, and uh, it was cataclysmic. You talk about storm. You talk about frightening. It would have been so scary. But you know what? Noah and his family were safe as they could be. There may have been times when their faith waned just a little bit. But because Noah did what God said do, he was safe, safe, safe in the ark. It, it boat may have been feeling like it was going to capsize at times. Not knowing how long this deluge was going to last. Not, not sure how many days the rain was going to fall. And then the flood itself lasted over a year. It, only, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. But the flood that resulted in that, it lasted over a year. And that was Noah's faith. Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. But see, Noah believed God. And he did what God told him to do. So he was safe and he was sound. Well, let's go to Moses real quick. And there are so many others. I encourage you to read all of these. But it was by faith that Moses instructed the children of Israel to sprinkle the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. Faith comes by hearing. God instructed Moses. Moses instructed the children of Israel. Here is how to do it. It was plain, it was simple, but you are to take the blood from this lamb and he specified he, how he was to be killed. Everything was spelled out. Moses in, was instructed, he instructed them. And so by faith, what did they do? They did exactly what God said to do. What if somebody had, I, well, just go back to Noah. What if Noah had said, Lord, if you want me to build a boat because you say it's going to do something I've never seen it do before. Okay, it's going to rain. I got that. It's going to get deep. I got that. Why don't I just go? You see that mountain over there, God? Why don't, let, let me just do it my way. Let me go to that mountain. I think that's Ararat. Let me go to, oh. Let me go to this mountain or that. Regardless of how, what if Noah had said, I'm going to do it my way. Okay, God, I'm going to believe you, but I want to do it my way. You wouldn't be sitting here. But the same way with the blood. What if somebody had said, Moses, yeah, we believe that God's going to do this, but that blood, can't, why don't we just, I got some blueberries. I got, my wife just picked these blueberries. And what if I just kind of mixed those up and, and made a little bit of juice? Because that blood, I just don't want to do the blood. And I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to sprinkle the, blood, the berry juice here and the berry juice here. And I'm going to do exactly over the doorpost. I'm going to do it. But I'm going to use berry juice instead. What would have happened? The death angel would have come and everyone in that house would have died. The whole point is... Faith 
causes you to do it God's way. And when you do it God's way, you are safe. I am sure that as that death angel passed, I am sure as those people that had sprinkled the blood on one doorpost, on the other doorpost, and on the top of the, the doorpost, as those that had sprinkled the blood, demonstrating the cross, pointing to the Lord Jesus, by faith they, did, they had no idea what was going to happen, but they believed God. Now, there were two ways of approaching it. Number one, do exactly what God said do, and you're in that household. You've done everything that God's instructed you to do, but regardless of the amount of faith, I'm sure there were some that were, well, God's, gonna, God's got this, and we're going we're gonna to be marching out of here in the morning, and God's in control, and woo, we're going to see God at work, and they were excited. They couldn't sleep at night because they were so excited about what God's going to do. There, there were others that did exactly what God said do. They might have been fretting, and they didn't sleep at all that night because they were scared. But the bottom line is they were both safe and sound. They were both protected because they were in the perfect will of God, and they had done it God's way. See, that's what matters is doing it God's way. And God's way for this present time in order to have a relationship with Him. And that's what matters. That's what matters. is the relationship that God desires to have with us, that reconciliation, that reconnection that God invites us to have, is not to go build a boat. I got news for you. If you say, well, I read in the Bible where I can have a relationship with God and be protected. I'm going to build me a big boat. Or I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice a, a lamb and I'm going to sprinkle its blood all over my door when I get home. Is that going to save you? What saves in this present dispensation is do exactly what God said to do. And that's to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. To believe the gospel, which is that God in Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again. And by faith you trust in his work on Calvary's cross. Nothing else. When you start trying to add something to what God has provided doesn't work you believe the gospel you believe the good news is for us today that good news is is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life faith in his death burial resurrection that adds your name to this faith, chapter on faith in heaven. By faith, add your name, trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And you'll have all heaven to enjoy that truth. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning.
And as we bow before you, as we face this year that's coming, Father, I just feel in my heart that it's going to be a year that tests our faith. Our faith in you. But Father, may we demonstrate that our hope, our trust is completely and totally in you. That you're in charge. That our lives are in your care. And Father, may this not only be a year where we have the opportunity to demonstrate our faith, but Father, that those we love and we care for and that we continually minister to, Father, may they, they see our faith in you. Father, may it move them to desire to have like faith and trust you for that salvation. Father, we have no idea what this world, what this year is going to bring. But Father, it doesn't matter because you're in charge and our faith is in you. May we faithfully demonstrate that faith. And I pray if there's anyone here that's never trusted you as Savior. Father, they've trusted in church membership. They've trusted in water baptism. They've trusted in who knows what. Father, may this be the moment in their lives that they trust in what you did on Calvary's cross as payment in full for their debt, their debt of sin. Father, by faith, may they believe that death had no claim on you because you were the perfect, righteous, spotless Lamb of God, sinless, so death couldn't claim you. And you rose again. But you were delivered for our offenses. And Lord Jesus, you were raised again for our justification. Father, I pray that each and every person here believes that. And is willing to share it with a world that's so desperate to hear. That salvation message. And we pray these things in Christ's holy and most precious name. Amen. Let's stand and be dismissed this morning. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, love to stay and talk to you, love to go over what God's Word says concerning His offer of salvation. Let's bow in prayer. Father, as we come together to close, we just pray that you'll use each one of us this week to be an instrument of your praise, of your worship. Father, may we be your mouthpiece. May we see clearly, may we understand clearly that faith comes by hearing. And Father, if we don't speak, if we don't share, if we don't tell, our friends and loved ones are not going to hear the gospel. And Father, may we faithfully tell it. And Father, again, we pray for those of our church that are sick and can't be here today, we lift each one of them up before you. Those who are traveling, Father, keep them safe. And Father, we'll be careful to praise your name all the days of our lives. Make us students of your word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed.